Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to another episode of the Flyers Talk podcast. We've been waiting for some sort of on-ice content to be able to see a player out there. Of course, it's been, you know, a time where we've kept up with players across social media. The Flyers have done amazing things throughout this NHL pause. But physically, Jordan, seeing a picture of a player on the ice at Skate Zone, a place that fans and as well as us are very familiar with for the practices, it gets you hype. Can I say that? Like, it hypes me up. Katie, the last time we saw them... (laughs) Just the Flyers on the ice, period, was March 11th. It was Travis Konechny's birthday. And I remember they brought Konechny into the middle of the stretching circle at the end of practice, and his teammates started shooting pucks at him as a joke for his birthday. That was March 11th. That was the last time we've seen them on the ice in any fashion. Uh, So just to see a solo picture of Joel Farabee was nice to see. And Joel had some really good stuff uh, in an interview with Zach Hill. And uh, it was just great to hear an interview with a Flyers player. But here's what Joel had to say on a number of things facing the Flyers as they gear up for phase three, eventually training camp phase three on July 10th. Here is more from Joel Farabee. Um, How weird would it be playing with no fans? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think it will definitely be an experience, um, you know, very abnormal. And um, but I think it'll be kind of cool. I mean, obviously, you got to create your own energy and you got to get up for games. And I think, you know, obviously, the the best team that's able to do that is, you know, the one that's going to come out on top. So I I think it'll be a cool experience. Obviously, you know, we want fans there and you know we want to be playing in front of fans. But obviously, we want everyone to, you know, be healthy and and be safe. So if that's what we got to do, then we'll go with that. Compare trying to restart the season now to restarting after having a summer off. Does it seem similar or is it more difficult? Um, I think it's maybe just a little more difficult just because you have less time to prepare. You know, usually you have the, the whole summer to prepare and, uh, you know, usually you have a, have a plan. You know, kind of right now I think we're just kind of, you know, going with the flow and trying to get back into shape. Uh, you know, obviously we have a, have a few guys at the skate zone, you know, working out every day now. So it's good to see that. And I know that, you know, when uh, the season does resume, you know, we'll be ready. What's the most challenging part about trying to regain the momentum the team had built? Yeah, I mean, you, you play, you know, however many games we played, and, you, you know, you get that chemistry, you get that flow, and then, you know, the season goes on pause. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, just trying to get that, get that chemistry back and, you know, get the, get the flow going again. But, um, you know, I'm pretty confident in all our guys that, that we can do that pretty well. Your impressions of the round-robin tourney? 
Yeah, I, I personally, I think it's it's a good idea. Obviously, you know, it's tough, um, you know, with everything going on to to make everyone happy. But I think it's it's a good format for you know for what it is, and you know, I'm excited to go through it. It's obviously something we've never done before, but uh, I think it'll be a pretty cool experience. And last question: How important is it to advance from a fourth seed to a higher seed? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That would be huge. Uh, you know, if you can, you know, acquire that first seed, that, that that's obviously your goal. But, um, you know, I think we've put ourselves in a, in a pretty good spot already. And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, if we with a few good, you know, skates and, you know, get those games under our belt, I think we'll be we'll be rolling once, uh, you know, it actually starts. Well, like I said, Jordan, I mean, it hypes me up to see a picture of a player on the ice. But yes, to hear from Joel Farabee just now, that's another thing, too. It gets you so excited. This is the first time you've really heard from a a member of the Flyers regarding this 2014 format, the latest NHL news. Um, It was great. When he was talking about, too, that big topic of comparing summer workouts versus this whole situation of workouts and how maybe different that is. Um, him talking about, you know, the ability to get into skate zone. There's a lot of excitement coming from him and you expect that with a rookie, but you also expect that with a member of the flyers right now, this whole team is excited. Um, and with that excitement, the fans share as well. I feel like a big question has been, are they going to be able to pick it up? I see that on Twitter. Like, how do you just start it up right away and just get the chemistry flowing again and have success? And I think fans are worried about that part. I will say personally, I have no worry at all. Yes, you have teams that are all going to be equal competitors, teams that are fully healthy. Everything's fair game. Um, but with the Flyers, this chemistry has been so strong. The, the veteran coaching staff has been so strong. Yes, you're taking away maybe that momentum, but who says they can't start it up again? And hearing right there Joel Farabee saying that getting that chemistry back, he's confident with the guys about that. You know, of course, a player, too, that's younger, um, his first season in the NHL to see it. Uh, that doesn't matter to me. If he's confident, he's in that dress. I mean, those guys are like, he's been a part of those group chats. Um, he knows what Giroux is like as a, as a leader, um, as far as getting them back out on the ice, that makes me feel better. And also that makes me feel more confident that they could start it up right away. Absolutely. Katie. And it was, it really was refreshing to hear optimism from Joel Farabee. He was asked a number of things. Um, obviously this is totally different for everyone. Um, it's just, a very unique scenario uh, with um, obviously an element of seriousness to it, obviously with the coronavirus, we're hoping everyone stays healthy, but overall though, it was nice to hear Joel just express optimism about everything about the round Robin tournament, about getting the chemistry back together, um, about picking up where they left off. Uh, Farabee, I think is a happy go lucky kid. I think he's just ready to play hockey again and, and believes that, you know, that these are, you know, the Flyers are hockey players, and they'll get back out there and do the best they can. So as far as chemistry for me, I don't think they'll – I don't think the Flyers will have anyone there that's not going to be into this, that's not going to go into it um, wholeheartedly. I, I do worry a little bit about getting out there and playing games and seeing if they can just look like yeah. the team that they were, you know, at the – you know, close to mid-March. Uh, that is a long time. I don't know if they can just pick up. I, I do believe they'll have some rust, but so will every team. But as far as just everyone coming together and feeling an overall sense of excitement and optimism, I don't worry about that at all. I think this team likes each other. Um, They definitely had a uh, special chemistry kind of brewing in the locker room uh, with different personalities and different leadership qualities. I think they'll come back. They'll be excited to see each other. And once they really start getting into it, um, I have no doubt that the Flyers will will be motivated to play and win a Stanley Cup. That's not a concern at all for me, Katie. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Jordan, and going off, and I always want to disagree. We need to keep this interesting, but yeah. you know, on these topics, it's really hard to disagree with because at the end of the day, I know you share this with me and I know fans agree too. You want to see hockey back out on the ice and maybe I can't just say all fans because I do think some are frustrated with the fact that there won't be fans in attendance. And with that, hearing Joel Farabee mentioned as well, like that's going to be a completely different uh, situation. And, and we knew that, but him talking about maybe a cool challenge, it's going to be a little bit weird, but it's a cool challenge. It's like, it is bizarre to think about because Jordan, we cover this team, fans watch this team, but we're not out there on the ice to know what that's like as a human being to get the adrenaline rolling, to hear people cheering for you. Um, you know, I don't know. Do you get cheered for? There's different maybe situations in life that people are hyping you up. I would like, I, I'm trying to think maybe like for me to, I don't know when I would be cheered for. Maybe in the coffee line. There's nothing really that we can get cheered for, right? I mean, I'll cheer for you right now, Jordan. Go, Jordan. Typically, when when you go out for a show, you know, we fist pump and we say, yo, here we go, Katie, big show. You know, so we get pumped for you there. Oh, yeah. No, Jordan, I mean, you and I, of course, there's there's different things. And maybe our listeners out there, there's different things you get cheered on for. But um, I cheer for my dog when he does new tricks that I teach him. That's certainly something. No, but for us... We don't have that hype, that the, the fans on top of you. You know, when we asked Danny Breyer about playing uh, in Montreal, of course, to a place he's very familiar with, I've always heard that arena. The fans are right on top of you. And for them, of course, they understand how hype you get from that. Um, but for the Flyers, you know, playing in any playoff scenario, um, wherever this hub city is going to be, it certainly, and for every team in this 2014 playoff format, for that matter, of course, it's going to be, in Joel Farabee's words, weird. But you got to love seeing it. And Going off of that, too, just with all of this, of course, I've mentioned, no fans know this guy's a rookie. And he says he's excited for this cool experience with this 2014 playoff format. And you may think, okay, he doesn't know what the playoffs are like in the first place. He knows he's watched them. He hasn't played in them. But for even veteran players, even, you know, a player like Claude Drew, I would assume maybe he's thinking this same thing. Like, you're a part of a, a historical moment, no matter what, like all of us are. But as far as the NHL goes, as far as the team competing in a 2014 playoff format, it is an experience not everyone can share, uh, anyone that's had extensive careers. So him saying that too, Jordan, it, it is kind of like, you just got to keep looking at this in a positive manner. You know me, I love to be, you know, an optimist here. I know you are too. Okay. But this is, no, this is something to be positive about. If we have hockey, so be it. Uh, any scenario is going to be tough. But like you said, there's a bigger matter in this world that um, it needs to be solved at the moment. And hopefully everyone stays safe and this can happen in the first place. But it's a chance for the league to be creative. We've mentioned that many times and for the players to be a part of something cool. I think it was awesome that he mentioned that. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. It was. It was really nice just to hear him take that positive look on everything. You know, from no fans, hey, yeah, that, you know, this will be abnormal, he said. But uh, I think it'll be unique and different in a, in a way. We'll have to, you know, energize ourselves and get ourselves up for the game. So I think Joel Farabee was just taking everything uh, in, a, in a positive stride, which is great to see from a young player. And I think the Flyers overall will go into that. And I think one guy that's going to have a huge impact on how the Flyers go into this emotionally, Katie, is Elaine Vigneault, head coach of the Flyers. Um, when he spoke in late April – he was really strong in his sentiment towards we will not feel frustrated when we get, when we pick back things up, we're not going to feel frustrated that, you know, our hot streak was brought to a halt and that we have to kind of restart. 
Uh, he's like, I think right now we're in a spot where we can uplift people and, you know, go into this and do something for positive for the city of Philadelphia. So I thought Vigneault really took a strong tone there of, no, we're going to be ready to play. We're going to have guys excited. We believe we can do this for the city. Uh, and Katie, on the topic of Vigneault, he is a guy that's being discussed uh, very um, a lot right now because of he's up for the Jack Adams award, that the top coach in the NHL. Uh, a lot of people think he's the front runner. Recently, over the weekend, NHL.com released uh, their votes among their writing staff, uh, and he was the leading vote getter uh, for that award with Mike Sullivan right behind him. Do you think Vigneault is the favorite? You know, Jordan, first and foremost, I'll answer your question and say yes. I do believe he needs to be the front runner, and I, I believe he needs to win this award. But if he doesn't, you know Flyers Nation is still going to have his back. They're still going to praise this coach for what he was able to do in this first season. And this is something, again, it's not anything new for Elaine Vigneault throughout his 17-year career. The experiences he's had, what he's learned uh, on, on a bench of different teams. But that first season, I've noticed throughout his career, has been so strong. Going back to Vancouver, when he won this award in his first season, um, the Canucks finished 49-26-7 with 105 points in his first season there. And they were first in the Northwest division at that time. Um, they went to the second round in the playoffs. Like the, what he's been able to do there. And then not even that with the Rangers, Jordan. I think we've mentioned this before. That first season in 2013, 2014, that he was their bench boss. He led them to the Stanley Cup final. This is a coach that, you know, beyond that first season still makes an impact and what he does for his players. Uh, these guys are humans. And, you know, the transparency that, you know, that trust factor this coach brings as well is something so strong too. Uh, we just heard from Joel Farabee. The last time he was on the Flyers Talk podcast, Jordan, he was sharing with us that transparency with his coach. And again, he's a younger player, but through the coaches he's already had, uh, several already throughout his career, this is something so unique. Uh, the, just having a transparent coach says it like it is and also just puts the trust in you to go out there and do your job. If you have a bad game, he's not going to rip you out right away, um, depending on different circumstances, of course. But he really just trusts his players. Um, and again, transparent with everybody, even the media too. Um, he knows what he's doing and he does a great job. And with that, I think he does deserve this award. And if not, I will, I will close with my remarks, Jordan, by saying once again, Flyers Nation is going to praise him no matter what. Absolutely. And I think Vigneault still has a ways to go in terms of really leaving his mark in this city. Obviously, we're only in year one. Uh, he still has the playoffs to go for this season. But I think he really won over his players. The players won over him. And then I think he really won over the city in year one. If you remember, there was, you know, a lot of buzz about Joel Quinville and a lot of Flyers fans obviously wanted him. A, a guy that was on the market had won three Stanley Cups. They don't get him. He chooses the Florida Panthers. And it's kind of like a bummer in a sense to some fans. And then they get Elaine Vigneault, who fans knew of, but I don't know if there was a ton of real super genuine excitement about him. The fact that we're now talking about him being the front runner, not only up for coach of the year, but the front runner is pretty exciting for the Flyers. It shows you Vigneault really um, left a, a big mark in year one. I think that's what made Vigneault so attractive to the Flyers, Katie, is exactly what you said. What he's done in year one with his previous three teams is really impressive, and that's what Chuck Fletcher wanted. He, Chuck Fletcher was brought in to speed up the, the process, to make the Flyers competitive again. He wasn't getting a coach that was going to – you know, maybe take a year or two to kind of get his feet wet and kind of rebuild things. He wanted Vigneault to come in and really improve this team and make it a contender, and Vigneault did that. And if you look at his 
three previous stops, Montreal, Vancouver, and the New York Rangers, he took those teams to the playoffs in year one, and they won a series. And I think Chuck Fletcher looked at that track record of a guy coming in year one, going to the playoffs, and not only that, winning a series in each year uh, was awfully impressive. And, hey, Vigneault is set up to do that again here with the Flyers. They're in a pretty good spot to obviously um, win a series in the playoffs, and if not uh, even more, they can make a run at it. So uh, very exciting that we're even talking about a lean Vigneault up coach of the year. I have to agree, and this isn't even a part of our show format today, but I just thought of it. Is there any bad thing with Elaine Vino you've noticed this season? Like, give me one thing that you're upset about or anything, any concern you have with Elaine Vino. I, I know you say he, he still has a lot ahead to prove maybe to the Philadelphia fans, but this one season you've seen, maybe how would you grade him and do you have any concerns? No, it's a great question. I, it's, you would really have to – think long and hard to find something where he failed or you were like, that could have been done better. Uh, he's done just about everything right. And that's not just to praise him, to praise him. He, he really has. It's it, the way he's handled his players, the way he's dealt with rough patches, uh, the way he's rallied around Oscar Lindblom with his team and his cancer diagnosis, uh, everything he's done. He's, he set a standard and a tone from day one of training camp and the players have really followed it. Gosh, if anything, if anything, if we could complain about anything, maybe it's the October. They had a, you know, a so-so October. They didn't get off to the best start. So maybe they could have started a little faster. But let's be real, the Flyers haven't started fast probably in the past six or seven seasons. So I think Flyers fans were pretty accustomed to starting uh, with these kind of average Octobers. And then what do you know, they turned it on in November and had really the best November of any NHL team. So, if anything, I can maybe complain about that, Katie, but it's hard to. It's hard to complain about anything. And uh, if I had to give him a grade, it it would definitely probably be like an A- minus or an A. Obviously, there's still a lot to go, and I'm not saying he's won anything in Philly yet. Uh, Philly wants more than just one positive regular season. but uh, Oh, they they want that championship, too. Yeah, what do you think? Well, I was going to say, too, I'll start right away. I would give him an A, and I think he has – obviously that potential to get that a plus maybe a plus 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 okay depending on the years to come maybe he can keep adding a plus there jordan i know maybe that's not the for our teachers listening that's not really how the grading scale works but <laughs> just keep adding a plus there maybe yeah. that'll work no but right now he is setting out a uh, an a for me too 69 games uh what he's been able to do throughout that span if you're judging off of that you're, you're truly impressed. And, you know, you mentioned right there, maybe that October, maybe even the, the trip, uh, the Western trip, but that's not really on him. Um, I like the way that I'll go back to saying that the trust factor, like things aren't working. He'll usually leave things the same. Just his judgment is really good. Like he doesn't yank you. And, and I think too, for, for players, um, they really have that chance. And one that comes to mind is Nicholas Ovecubel. Um, a player that, you know, had his chance last year, really didn't get that consistency that he needed. Jumped in the lineup this year. Um, of course, you know, when I'm mentioning Lane Vino, I'm saying all around coaching staff. Like, I feel like a lot of different factors, even though he's been able to have success individually, and of course he's that great coach, but I think the factors, if we want to mention how Chuck Fletcher has set up the veteran coaching staff, how we set up the pieces to the puzzle on the team, all of these different things certainly have helped out, uh, you know, to Elaine Vino's success in these first um, almost 70 games of the season. But Jordan, if I'm going to give one um, little thing I wish maybe he did different is, you know, maybe another martini joke. 
you know, yeah, maybe yeah. one or two more would have been kind of nice. And we'll see if, you know, those come out again, uh, hoping, you know, we have a playoff run here. But, man, one or two more martini on the pontoon jokes. Not really jokes, really, but uh, statements. Yes. Martini on the pontoon statements. Uh, we always I think we could have used maybe a couple more. So, yeah, and I, I think it's when we, we've really seen his personality. I think it's when Flyers fans kind of really started to fall in love with him. Obviously, they're loving the wins and all the positives, but I think they started to see his personality, and I think that's kind of what made them kind of put their arms around him and say, hey, this is our coach. Uh, he likes martinis. We like martinis. Um, <laughs> so I thought that's been fun. I think his, his personality has been just as fun to be around. And, and like we said, Katie, uh, he has the Flyers in a pretty good spot. And it had us kind of looking at uh, potential matchups. Obviously, we know the Flyers will be in the round-robin portion uh, where they can possibly improve their seed from fourth to first. But they obviously have a bypass that qualifying round. So we'll have to wait and see how the qualifying round shakes out and then how the round-robin also plays out. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. But... If we had to give our best possible matchup for the first round for the Flyers, what would it be? And if we had to give our least favorite matchup, what would it be? Katie, please, let's start with you. What's your best matchup and your least favorite matchup? Ooh. When I looked at this earlier, this was a big topic we're going to get into today. If you're doing a scale, Jordan, easiest to toughest, it's like I, I literally like looking at this 2014 playoff format, focusing on the Eastern Conference, it's like I don't even know if you could put an easiest team. Like – I had a really, you know, and I would think that you did too. Like you had to go through maybe how the Flyers did around like certain teams this season, because when you factor in, you look at a team like Columbus, for example, a team that the Flyers knocked off there right before the pause, um, the orchestra and so many different players, Seth Jones, they're all hurt, but now they're going to be fully healthy. Another team too, Carolina, they're going to have Dougie Hamilton back. Who's having a great season before his injury. Um, a lot of different teams. So uh, I'm just going to, with all that being said, when I say easiest here, and I think maybe you could say the same, it's like no way it's going to be easiest because playoffs are a whole different animal. Um, things are going to be crazy. Every team is an equal playing field that I've mentioned so many times. But I would have to go with the Rangers, Jordan. Uh, Flyers are 3-0 and against this team. Of course, you have to watch out for that. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, they have that goaltending, um, again, that was kind of problematic there nearing before the uh, NHL pause. They had some injuries, an unfortunate car accident, things that this full team is going to be healthy. Um, so they're certainly not going to be like easy. It's not going to be a piece of cake. And with that going for any team, you know, of course that I've mentioned already, but the Rangers I'm going to say is maybe that first team that I could see the Flyers, you know, having an advantage to play against. So we will see. So, of course, with that to happen, the Flyers have to be that one seed, and then you would have to see the Rangers as the, the last seed. So we'll see if that could happen. Um, no matter what, though, uh, this is going to be such a challenge with any team you have in the first round. The toughest, and I think you and I might agree on this one, but I'm going to go with Islanders, a, a team they couldn't get past this season. I mean, it's hard to look away from that team. That is a team that – um, I feel like they've had the Flyers number in a way. Uh, they have Barzell. They have so many different threats, too. And you could go down the list and name any player that could be a threat. But just what the Islanders have this season and they're, and they're rolling, um, they have to start their chemistry up as well. So who knows what could happen? But I do view them as one of the toughest teams you could face right off the get-go. I, I don't know. There's what I have, Jordan. Um, took me a while to get through. I just had to mention that there's no team that could be the easiest and the most challenging in my eyes. 
No, it's really true. There is no matchup, I think, that you would, like, jump out and say, we got to get that matchup. That's, like, the best matchup possible. Um, and I don't think there's any matchup that also, like, should scare the Flyers. I think any matchup uh, they'll welcome and be ready for. Uh, but, yes, if we had to pick one, um, for me, I, it would probably be the Blue Jackets, just given that they swept them during the regular season, beat them four times. Columbus has a rookie goalie, so maybe that'll play a factor uh, when the inexperienced goalie and a team that the Flyers have beaten uh, and were comfortable playing against. Uh, they have a track record there. So I'll go Columbus. I think that would be a pretty favorable match if I had to pick one. And I have to agree, the team with uh, the, the team that I would maybe worry about the most would probably be the Islanders, just given what they did to the Flyers in the regular season. The Flyers had a tough time against them. On top of that, New York has a really experienced coach in Barry Trotz, uh, who would kind of combat the whole Elaine Vigneault factor of having an experienced coach. Those are two, two guys that have been there, done that. Barry Trotz obviously has won a Stanley Cup and has totally turned around the Islanders uh, in his first and then obviously this season being his second. Uh, and they kind of play a style that really, I think, doesn't really uh, mesh well against the Flyers. The Flyers, against some teams, kind of like the Maple Leafs, have been able to really play the way they want to play. Um, you think of other teams like the Hurricanes and the Blue Jackets. The Flyers have kind of dictated tempo and pace. The Islanders really did not allow the Flyers to do that. They kind of played a mix of heaviness and a mix of speed. And it, it really gave the Flyers some fits. Uh, during the regular season. Now, I don't think that would be a terrible matchup. I think if the Flyers get the Islanders, I don't think they're going to be shaking in their boots or anything. I think no. they're going to have a decent chance. Especially, again, after they play those top three teams. It's, it's such an advantage, that right. round robin. Right. But uh, if we're picking one, I would say maybe the Islanders, just with the experience of their head coach and the way in which they play, I think can maybe give the Flyers some trouble. Two other, two other teams, maybe the Maple Leafs. I, I know I said yeah. that the Flyers played well against Toronto this season. They did. But Toronto does have a ton of firepower. They can really score. Uh, I don't know if you would want to be getting into too many uh, high-scoring back-and-forth games with that team over a best-of-seven. And then another team, too, that is, you know, the Penguins. Uh, Pittsburgh, obviously, with their experience, they would be a lot healthier. You would figure that they'll have Jake Kensel back. Uh, who knows if he'll be 100%, but – Jake Gensel is a big name. Uh, the, the Penguins got by uh, with a lot of injuries this year, and if they're at full health with their experience, um, I think that would be a tough, a, a tough matchup for the Flyers. But overall, Katie, though, I, I think the Flyers, I think, would like their position. I think anyone likes their position. They're in a good spot. They can climb, uh, and then they obviously do not have to play in the qualifying round. So good things for the Flyers for sure, Katie. Yeah, and I love to – I mean – yeah, I would echo everything, but you're for your uh, easiest team, right, Columbus? I would just love, you know, maybe to see Columbus in that first round with the Flyers, just so you can hear the, the Elvis uh, puns and everything that you could have yeah. in a game. Uh, nothing like Jonesy and uh, the goaltender Elvis, uh, Merce Lincolns. Uh, uh, yes. Jonesy and JJ just making the Elvis has left the ice. <laughs> Oh, uh, exactly. you know, hopefully we see that. That'd be the only big, uh, big benefit, I think. But of course, to play an easier team in your eyes, Jordan, in that first round, that's, you know, a good advantage for the Flyers. But cherry on top is to, to hear all this is uh, little things that they could be creative with the uh, announcers of the game. So I like it. I like it. And Jordan, yeah. of course, we all know you, you work so much. Ben Barry, our podcast producer, is on too. He works a lot too. We all are working. Um, but Jordan, you are always on the clock, work a lot, always on the clock with something new uh, to keep fans excited about this 2014 playoff format. You had a great article about, you know, what the, 
five questions would be for the Flyers. Uh, you listed, you know, some great things too. I'll let you more so get into it. Fans, I encourage you guys to check this out. Um, cause I, I agree with most of it, Jordan. I want you to, you know, maybe elaborate too on what those five questions are for the Flyers and you know, how you were able to put this together. Sure. No, thank you, Katie. And you work a lot too. So don't think it's just us. Oh, thanks. Again, I'll Venmo you later. Yes. Just request <laughs> me. Um, but no, yeah, just an article looking at five questions kind of facing the Flyers uh, as they go into this 2014 tournament, if play uh, does in fact resume. Um, my biggest one, Katie, for me, and it was the one that I started the article off with. And, you know, some of these were injury-related. Some of them had something to do with Elaine Vigneault and coaching decisions. Uh, for me, though, one of, the, one, of one, of, one of my big questions for me, uh, I think, facing the Flyers is what kind of production will they get out of Kevin Hayes and James Van Riemsdyk. It's not that I'm doubting those two players. I think they've been incredibly important. But for me, when those two were producing at a higher offensive clip and not so much blending in in terms of production, the Flyers were they, – they went from one level to the next. And if you look at the numbers, Kevin Hayes, when the Flyers scored a goal, they were 19-0-1. And Hayes had been, you know, a bit of a streaky scorer at times. He had gone through some stretches where he – Went same scoreless. with uh, JVR. Yeah. Same with JVR. And, he, and, and Kevin Hayes had gone through some stretches where he was scoring a lot. But Hayes, you, know, you always know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get a lot of 200-foot defensive play, penalty kill. So it wasn't the end of the world when he didn't score. But when he did score, the Flyers were so, so much better. 19-0-1 when he scores a goal. James Van Riemsdyk, whenever he scored. What a score. stat, by the way. What yeah. a stat. I feel like I haven't heard that in so long. Crazy. Oh my gosh. And then James no Van losses. whenever he recorded a point, the Flyers were 22-5-0. So, and again, JVR is a bit of a streaky scorer. Uh, when he didn't score, the Flyers weren't, they didn't just completely fold. But when he scored, they were a ton better. They, those two almost provide like a second wave of offense that made the Flyers really tough. So for me, it'll be what kind of those, what kind of production they get out of those two guys. If Hayes has a really big playoffs, JVR is scoring goals and he's, you know, a menace in front of the net. And both of them are really dictating possession and playing that tough game where they can protect the puck and really control play. I think the Flyers can go on a real run. If those two kind of blend in offensively and kind of have stretches where they don't produce, I think the Flyers become much more beatable. Uh, so for me, that was a big question. I, I, I'm anxious to see what those two will bring uh, come to playoffs, yeah. Katie, for you, if you had to pick one big question, one big storyline kind of facing this team, uh, what would it be for you? I loved what you said about who the sixth defenseman is going to be. I mean, who is this guy that's going to be stepping up? Um, is it going to be Shane Gossespierre? Are we going to see Robert Haig, you know, finagled out of there? I mean, what's going to happen? It, it truly is such a solid question because you're going to be thinking um, Gossespierre is going to be fully healthy from that anthroscopic surgery. He's going to be ready to rock. Um, but will he be able to jump into the lineup? And will that, you know, adding him take away what Robert Haig built up so well this season? And would it be Robert Haig or would it be Phil Myers? I mean, some solid questions there. The other one, um, Elaine Vigneault, is he going to be able to really help out? And you know what? Like, I do think that is a question, Jordan. I also just think it's, it answers itself. We just talked about him. Uh, this is a guy that has that experience that, uh, of course, no coach has ever been through this. Elaine Vigneault really could, uh, you know, help lead this team. And we've mentioned that throughout the NHL puzzle in the third part of this, uh, you know, out of these five questions, Carter Hart, you listed that as, is he going to be able to get up? And 
you know, like if he doesn't, what, what is that going to mean? And it certainly is a question. He's the, He's the face of the, the team, and in a, in a way, I can't really say he's the face. He's one of the many great faces of this team that uh, the, the fans have a lot of hope in, um, and it's been a solid question. Like, this will be his first playoff run in his whole entire career. Will he have what it takes? And, you know, what are we going to see out of him? So I think that's a great, um, a great few that I picked out. I, uh, I agree, too, with your spark plug – or not really spark plugs, but that offensive power with JVR and uh, Kevin Hayes. Are they going to be able to, you know, contribute in the way that we saw specifically before that NHL pause? Like JVR being a dad now, you know, is that going to help out here? We would love to see that for sure. Yeah. Um, no, again, all jokes aside, I do love those three. Um, and, and it's fun to really think about, and you know what, in conclusion of this today's episode, it is just fun, Jordan, to think that we will be seeing a hockey game happening very soon. We'll keep crossing our fingers for that day, but seeing Joel Farabee, seeing these guys on the ice um, and hearing from, Faraby as well. It surely gets you excited for this uh, resumption. Hopefully that will be happening soon. It does, Katie. Seeing Joel Faraby out there reminds you of training camp, and we know the date for training camp to start is July 10th. So each and every day uh, we go, we are closer to hopefully Flyers training camp, and that hopefully means we're closer to Flyers hockey. And not only just talking about this 2014 tournament, but actually seeing it. Uh, so yes, very exciting to see. Uh, flyers back on the ice and us talking about matchups and storylines and all of that fun stuff. We'll continue to have more of it, but that is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Thank you so much as always, Katie Emmer. Thank you to our podcast producer, Ben Barry. The latest Flyers Talk podcast and fans, wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe and we can't wait to talk to you next time.